0: European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 43, Issue 3, Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. A fresh look at non-traditional risk factors, pregnancy loss, anger, ultra-processed food, and low ambient temperature. Pulmonary embolism, or PE is receiving growing attention due to its clinical relevance. This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention contains the special article entitled Optimal Follow-up After Acute Pulmonary Embolism, a position paper of the European Society of Cardiology Working Group on pulmonary circulation and right ventricular function in collaboration with the European Society of Cardiology Working Group on atherosclerosis and vascular biology endorsed by the European Respiratory Society by Fredericus Klok from the Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands and colleagues. This position paper provides a comprehensive guide for optimal follow-up of patients with PE, covering multiple relevant aspects of patient counseling. It serves as a practical guide for treating patients with acute PE complementary to the formal 2019 European Society of Cardiology guidelines developed with the European Respiratory Society. The authors propose a holistic approach considering the whole spectrum of serious adverse events that patients with acute PE may encounter in the short and long term. Clock et al. underline the relevance of, one, assessment of modifiable risk factors for bleeding and of acquired thrombophilia, two, the limited cancer screening, unprovoked PE, and three, The limited dedicated surveillance for the potential development of chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension as part of routine practice, while routine testing for genetic thrombophilia should be avoided. The authors advocate the use of outcome measures for functional outcome and quality of life to quantify the impact of the PE diagnosis and identify early those patients with the post-PE syndrome. Counseling patients on maintaining a healthy lifestyle mitigates the risk of the post-PE syndrome and improves cardiovascular prognosis. Therefore, the authors consider it important to discuss when and how to resume sporting activities soon after diagnosing PE. Additional patient-relevant topics that require focused counseling are travel and birth control. In a clinical research article entitled Pregnancy Loss and Risk of Cardiovascular Disease, the Nurses' Health Study II. Yixin Wang and colleagues from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, note that the aim of their study was to explore the association of pregnancy loss, or PL, with the incidence of cardiovascular disease, or CVD, and examine the extent to which this relationship is mediated by subsequent metabolic disorders. For this, they followed greater than 95,000 ever-gravid women participating in the Nurses' Health Study II between 1993 and 2017. Cox Proportional Hazards Models were used to estimate the hazard ratios, or HRs, of CVD, including coronary heart disease, or CHD, and stroke, according to the occurrence of PL. A mediation analysis was conducted to explore the intermediating effects of of subsequent type 2 diabetes, hypertension, or hypercholesterolemia. During 2,205,392 person years of follow-up, 2,225 or 2.3% incident CVD cases were documented. After adjusting for confounding factors, PL was associated with an HR of 1.21 for CVD during follow-up. A similar association was observed for CHD, HR 1.20, and stroke, HR 1.23. The risk of CVD increased with the number of PLs, HR 1.18 for once and 1.34 for twice or more, and was greater for PL occurring early in the reproductive lifespan, HR 1.40 for age less than or equal to 23 years, 1.25 for age 24 to 29 years, and 1.03 age greater than or equal to 30 years. Hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, and type 2 diabetes all explained less than 1.8 of the association between PL and CVD. The authors conclude that PL is associated with a greater CVD risk, independently of subsequent development of metabolic disorders. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Sophie Blidell. From the Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark and colleagues. The authors hope that future studies will provide in depth biological mechanistic information acknowledging the complexity of having three involved individuals, father, mother and fetus in each event, and taking advantage of the revolution in methodologies needed to disentangle the genetic and functional contributions to pregnancy loss. The mechanisms responsible for stroke are complex and only partially known. In a clinical research article entitled, Anger or Emotional Upset and Heavy Physical Exertion as Triggers of Stroke, the Interstroke Study, Andrew Smith and colleagues from McMaster's University and Hamilton Health Sciences in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, explained that in interstroke, the authors explored the association of anger or emotional upset and heavy physical exertion with acute stroke to determine the importance of triggers in a large international population. Interstroke was a case control study of first stroke in 32 countries. Using 13,462 cases of acute stroke, the authors adopted a case crossover approach to determine whether a trigger within one hour of symptom onset, case period, versus the same time on the previous day, control period was associated with acute stroke. A total of nine point two percent n equaling one thousand two hundred and thirty three were angry or emotionally upset, and five point three percent n equaling seven hundred and eight engaged in heavy physical exertion during the case period. Anger or emotional upset in the case period was associated with increased odds of all stroke odds ratio or or one point three seven, ischemic stroke, odds ratio 1.22, and intracerebral haemorrhage, or ICH, odds ratio 2.05. Heavy physical exertion in the case period was associated with increased odds of ICH, odds ratio 1.62, but not with all stroke or ischemic stroke. There was no modifying effect by region, prior cardiovascular disease, risk factors, cardiovascular medications, time or day of symptom onset compared with exposure to neither trigger during the control period the odds of stroke associated with exposure to both triggers were not additive the authors conclude that acute anger or emotional upset is associated with the onset of all stroke ischemic stroke and ich while acute heavy physical exertion was associated with ich only the contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Susanna Wegener from the University Hospital Zurich, USZ, and University of Zurich, UZH, in Switzerland. Wegener notes that although interstroke was conducted in patients with first ischemic stroke, it is likely that the findings of this study are even more important for secondary stroke prevention, which will have to be addressed in future studies. Furthermore, the study provides strong support for the recent concept of negative emotions and stress in the pathophysiology of cardiovascular disease. For the stroke survivor asking, could it be that my stroke was brought on by emotional stress, the answer would be, yes, this is possible. Future research, possibly supported by stress indicators from wearable devices, will identify more potential triggers of stroke and delineate who is at particular risk. In a clinical research article entitled, Ultra processed food intake and all cause and cause specific mortality in individuals with cardiovascular disease, the Molly Sani study. Maria Laura Boniccio and colleagues from the IRCCS Neuromed Bozzilli, Italy, evaluated the association of ultra processed food, or UPF intake, and mortality among individuals with a history of cardiovascular disease, or CVD and analyzed some biological pathways, possibly related to UPF intake, to death. Longitudinal analyses were carried out on 1,171 men and women, mean age 67 plus or minus 10 years, with a history of CVD, recruited in the Mollisani study, 2005 to 2010 in Italy, and followed for 10.6 years, median. Food intake was assessed, using a food frequency questionnaire. UPF was defined using the NOVA classification according to the degree of processing and categorized as quartiles of the ratio, by percentage, between UPF, by grams per day, and total food consumed, by grams per day. The mediating effects of 18 inflammatory metabolic, cardiovascular, and renal biomarkers were evaluated using a logistic regression model within a counterfactual framework. In multivariable adjusted Cox analyses, higher intake of UPF, Q4 greater than or equal to 11.3% of total food, in contrast to the lowest uptake, Q1, UPF less than 4.7%, was associated with higher hazards of all-cause, HR 1.38, and CVD mortality, HR 1.65. A linear dose-response relationship with all-cause and CVD mortality was also observed. Altered levels of Cystatin C explained 18.3% and 16.6% of the relationship between UPF and all-cause and CVD mortality, respectively. The authors conclude that a diet in UPF is associated with increased hazards of all-cause and CVD mortality among individuals with prior cardiovascular events, possibly through an altered renal function. Elevated UPF intake represents a major public health concern in secondary CVD prevention. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Ramon Estrug and Sarah Castro Barquero from the University of Barcelona in Spain. The two conclude that since most studies relating to UPF intake to increased all-cause and CVD morbidity and mortality risk are based on food frequency questionnaires not designed for this purpose, new trials are needed. In addition, relating the type and degree of food processing to health cannot be done independently of knowledge of the nutritional composition of the final food. Finally, not all UPF can be considered the same for instance, decaffeinated coffee, and processed cakes, pies, and pastries. But we should be aware of the low nutritional quality of most, especially those rich in sugar, saturated fat, and salt. Acute aortic dissection, or AAD, is a high-risk condition of which the mechanisms are still only partially understood. The incidence of AAD has been shown to have seasonal variations. But whether this variation can be explained by non-optimum ambient temperature and temperature change between neighboring days, or TCN, is not clear. In another clinical research article entitled Low Ambient Temperature and Temperature Drop Between Neighboring Days and Acute Aortic Dissection, a Case Crossover Study, Jin Miao Chen and colleagues from Fudan University in Shanghai, China performed a time-stratified case crossover study in the registry of aortic dissections in China, covering 14 tertiary hospitals in 11 cities from 2009 to 2019. A total of greater than 8,000 cases of AAD were included. Weather data at residual addresses were matched from nearby monitoring stations. A conditional logistic regression model and a distributed lag nonlinear model were used to estimate the associations of daily temperature and TCN with AAD, adjusting for possible confounders. The authors observed an increase of AAD risk with lower temperature accumulated over lag 0 to 1 day, and this association became statistically significant when the daily mean temperature was below 24 degrees centigrade. Relative to the referent temperature, 28 degrees centigrade, the ORs of AAD onset at extremely low minus 10 degrees centigrade, and low, 1 degree centigrade temperature accumulated over lag 0 to 1 day, were 2.84 and 2.36 respectively. A negative TCN was associated with an increased risk of AAD. The OR of AAD accumulated over lag 0 to 6 days was 2.66 when comparing the extremely negative TCN, minus 7 degrees centigrade, with no temperature change. In contrast, a positive TCN was associated with reduced AAD risk. The authors conclude that this study provides novel and robust evidence that low ambient temperature and temperature drop between neighboring days were associated with increased risk of AAD onset. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Subodh Verma from the University of Toronto in Canada and colleagues. The authors highlight that future multinational studies that assess the role of blood pressure in the seasonality of AAD incidents, as well as its association with extreme weather events such as cold spells or heat waves, could help to clarify the impact of meteorological conditions on AAD in countries with different climates, although there are certain limitations in that AAD incidents can also be influenced by socio-medical conditions. Additionally, given the important role seasonality has been shown to play in the risk of cardiovascular morbidity and mortality, further clinical investigations into seasonal adjustment in medical therapy and lifestyle recommendations are warranted. Research should examine, for example, whether more aggressive or proactive management of blood pressure, behavioral modifications, or consideration for prophylactic surgery in high-risk patients with aortic dilation during or before winter months could improve outcomes in patients at risk for AAD. This issue is further complemented by two discussion forum contributions in a commentary entitled, A sex-specific prediction model is not enough to achieve equality for women in preventative cardiovascular medicine. Dorian Kamenai from the University of Edinburgh and colleagues comment on the recent publication entitled SCORE2 Risk Prediction Algorithms New Models to Estimate Ten-Year Risk of Cardiovascular Disease in Europe authored by the SCORE2 Working Group and ESC Cardiovascular Risk Collaboration. The SCORE2 Working Group authors respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.